This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy that you are here this morning. Otherwise, I would have preached to the chairs. So the men are having an amazing time at the camp. So if your husband or your boyfriend or your brother or your dad or whoever is there, you're going to have a changed man back. Amen. God is always doing amazing things, but he's also going to do something special this morning. So I just want to say to the few guys who are here, I'm not going to preach to the ladies only. So... It is really something that I believe you'll benefit from as well, so you're most welcome. And you know, I, really, I really trust the Lord for just to continue what He's been doing over the last while, because there's been so many stories and so many beautiful testimonies of, of what God's been doing in our midst, amen? And I'm, I'm, I'm just so amazed by even weekly stories that, that we hear. But when I prepared for this morning... I really sense that, that maybe some of us are not that excited about hearing another testimony. And maybe, maybe it's you this morning who feel that, you know, you, you kind of feel a little bit negative about, about all these stories and testimonies because you are finding yourself in a situation where you've been waiting for God to come through for you and you've been waiting and waiting and you even responded for prayer and you've, you've done what you, you think is necessary to you know, for the breakthrough to come, but it hasn't yet come. You kind of feel maybe God has forgotten you, or you maybe feel that, that you're trapped in a season of waiting, and you don't know how to, how to get out of it. So I really want to, if, if you are in that situation this morning, I really trust that God's going to shift something in you this morning. Okay, especially if you feel that, you know, everybody's getting healed and everybody's getting married. And for you, it's like same old, same old, and, and nothing is really changing. I really trust that God's going to do something in all of us. Amen. So, I mean, there's been seasons in my life when I also battled with testimonies. When I hear a testimony, I haven't always been so excited because I've been in seasons in my life where I was waiting upon the Lord, where I was trusting Him for a breakthrough and it wasn't coming, and it wasn't coming, and I know, I, I know how that feels, and I know it's a season where we need strength, we need to endure, we need, we need God's grace to hang in there, you know, but over the years, I've learned that I can have one of two responses when it comes to a, a testimony or a, a story, especially if that challenged me personally. I can either be offended or negative or cynical, or I can become even offended with God, you know, because he's not coming through for me and he's coming through for everybody else. Or I can feel something is wrong with me. I can start evaluating myself and I can feel, surely I'm doing something wrong. And I can have all kinds of negative emotions. Or my other option is to, to have understanding of God's kingdom. And this is what Andre has been preaching about almost every Sunday, just Helping us to renew our minds because in the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is not limited to one or two miracles for one or two special people. Amen. There's there's more than enough for all of us. And this is what I had to learn because I grew up with a poverty mentality in so many areas of my life, in finances, in you know, God's kingdom, where I I had a very limited understanding of the vastness and the 
you know, just how the kingdom works. I grew up with a poverty mentality and God had to change me. And now when I hear a testimony, I rejoice. I rejoice because I know it's not limited to one person. In fact, it's an invitation for God to do it again. This is why we share testimonies. For those of you who maybe think, oh, the Andre is going again, another story, another testimony. The reason why it's doing it, it, it creates an atmosphere and a platform for us to believe that if God can do it for that person, he can do it for me as well. But if we live in a, in a poverty mindset, it will freak us out. It, it, it could lead to negativity instead of excitement. And I want to I wanna share with you this morning about, you know, what do we do if we are that, if, if, if you are that person? If some of you are in a season and you wait and you wait and you wait some more and it feels as if everybody is having a testimony except you, how do we see as God sees in a prolonged season of waiting? How do we, how do we, Receive God's perspective as in, in a season where it feels as if nothing is changing. For everybody else it's changing, but not for you. What do we do? So I want to take you to this well-known scripture. I'm sure all of you have memorized this one. Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 31. I'm just going to highlight a few things. It says, He gives power to, to the weak, this is God. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. And then it says, Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk, and they will not faint. And I've been meditating on the scripture because I know this so well. I've read this so many times. I know this off by heart. But I say to God, show me. Make this real to me. Because if this says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, Surely there's power in waiting. There's power in waiting upon the Lord. It can't just be a season of waiting. And what God said to me, what really changed my, my eyes when I look at the scripture is, there's a difference between waiting and waiting upon the Lord. There's a major difference between just waiting, you waiting, you waiting, and waiting upon the Lord. Waiting, waiting can lead to despondency, it can lead to weariness, it can lead to depression, it can lead to a hopelessness, but waiting upon the Lord will release strength to overcome, to endure, to run, and not be weary, and to mount up with wings like eagles. So there's a difference, and God said to me, that is the key. We can either wait, or we can wait upon the Lord. So waiting is passive. Waiting upon the Lord is active. Waiting is passive. Waiting upon the Lord is active. Waiting can make our hearts grow sick. Waiting upon the Lord can make our hearts come alive. And it changed my mindset because I've been in seasons of waiting. I'm still in seasons of waiting. And if I look at the scripture now, I see a whole different meaning. Because I know it's, this is, it's my choice. I can wait or I can wait upon the Lord. And there's a major difference in what will happen in my heart in that season. You know, there's another scripture I just want to show you. Isaiah 64 verse 4 that says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor is the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. Now again, I know the scripture so well. I've often read it. I've often meditated on this. And my perspective right in the beginning when I discovered the scripture was, 
Surely if I wait upon the Lord, He's going to act on my behalf according to my dream, according to my expectation, according to my, my needs. I thought He will act on my behalf when I wait upon Him. And then God said to me, yes, obviously that is part of it in His time and in His way. However, what God said to me is He's acting on our behalf all the time while we are waiting upon Him, which means there are things happening while we are waiting upon the Lord, even if that thing that we are waiting for has not yet come to fulfillment. So it's not only when that thing comes to fulfillment that God is acting on your behalf. He's acting on our behalf all the time. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He's our comforter. He's our healer. He's our, he's our savior. He is coming alongside us every day while we wait upon him. He's acting on our behalf. And often we, we just wait for that one thing to happen. And then we think God has acted on our behalf. But in the meantime, he's acting on our behalf all the time when we wait for him. So how do we find strength? If, if, this, if the word of God is the truth, which we believe, how do we find strength? Why are we often hopeless? And why are we often without strength in a season of waiting? So I want to share with you a few thoughts this morning that I really hope can transition us from waiting to waiting upon the Lord. Amen. So first of all, something that's extremely important is we need to see as God sees. So this whole series is all about kingdom vision, seeing as God sees, having God's perspective, because we see in part. We all know 1 Corinthians 13, you know, the love chapter, where at the end it says, we know in part, we see in part, but there will come a time where we have more understanding. And, you know, our mission is, um, Andre and myself, we, we constantly challenging ourselves to say, what is God saying? What is he seeing? Because we see in part, we see our, our vision is very limited, our own vision. You know, so we need to ask God the whole time, what is he seeing? So something I've mentioned before, that I want to mention again today, is the length of time that a problem has existed does not determine the likelihood of breakthrough. And I want to talk about it again this morning. That means if you are battling for 20 years and somebody else is battling for six months with the same thing, your chances of getting a breakthrough if you're waiting for 20 years is not smaller than the one waiting for six months. That's an earthly mindset. That is our vision. This is our perspective. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. There's so many examples in the Bible of people being healed after 18 years, after 12 years, after how many years, and God is not intimidated by a length of time. He's not intimidated, and I experienced it in my, in my own life. Some of you know the story, but I was diagnosed with a skin problem when I was 10 called psoriasis. It's an autoimmune disease. It's, it's something that's not, there's no medication that helps for it. Your skin cells multiply six times faster, and on the outer layer of your skin appear these sores. It was op, uh, um, often in Bible times confused with leprosy, so at its worst, it can look really bad. I was 10. And I did everything. I, was, I knew God from a young age. 
I went up for so many, so many times for people to pray for me. I've forgiven everybody I could find, you know, because often sometimes, you know, not often this forgiveness is linked to, to, to sickness or unforgiveness. I have done everything in the natural and in the spiritual to solve this problem. I even, the one time, you know, I read in the Old Testament that there's Naaman, he was baptized seven times. He battled with leprosy and the prophet said he must go baptize him in the, in the river seven times. And there he went and he was healed. So I said to Andre, okay, I'm baptizing myself seven times or asking him and a friend. I said, okay, we're going to a dam in Stellenbosch, 1999. Please baptize me. One, two, three, seven times. Okay, I was so full of faith. I thought, this is it. It's going to be my breakthrough. Nothing changed. My skin was the same. And I did everything. And it was only in 2012, 26 years after I was diagnosed, a group of ladies right here on this carpet prayed for me on a usual Wednesday evening where it seemed as if nothing happens. It's the evening Andre always talks about, you know, nothing happened. It was a level zero, so that was that night. <laughs> Andre's le level zero night was my healing after 26 years. So after three weeks, my skin was quite bad at that time, very bad. I scratched myself and I would bleed. It was, it was quite... It was, a, it was an awesome time for God to do a miracle because uh, it was obvious, you know, that it was God. So three weeks after they prayed for me, my skin was clear. I would say 98, 99% clear, but I waited for 26 years. So many people prayed for me, and at a stage I decided I am just going to manage this. I'm just going to cover myself as best as I can. I'm going to do what I can medically and emotionally to, to just, you know, walk this road. But that, that day God decided that is the appointed time for my healing. So God is not intimidated by length of time. And we, we need to remind ourselves because in our earthly mindset, we want to compare 26 years to six months. Surely that person has a better chance. And in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. What if we are waiting for something greater? A second perspective. I'm trusting God to change this morning. What if we are waiting for something greater? You know, most of you know, I'm going to share a few of my, my stories this, this morning that most of you know. But Andre and I have been trying to, to, for another child. And the one year has become two and it's become three and it's now almost nine years we've been trying. And I'm asking myself this question. What if I'm waiting for something greater than a child? What if? You know, like Hannah was praying for a baby, and God was dreaming about Samuel, one of the greatest prophets ever, who was going to anoint King David. You know, the Bible says that the word of God was rare in that season when he was born. Hannah was dreaming about a child. God was dreaming about Samuel. Elizabeth was dreaming about a child. God was dreaming about John the Baptist was going to prepare the way for Jesus. What if I'm waiting for something greater? What if I stop one month before God's going to do the miracle? I don't know. This is my journey. This is my journey. I need to personally wrestle this through. I did not expect in my 40s to try for a baby, but what if? What if I'm waiting for a Samuel or a John the Baptist or a what if? You know, what if you are waiting for something greater than a spouse? 
What if your marriage is not just going to be another marriage? It's going to be a heavenly partnership. It's going to be a, a, a team that God is dreaming about. Your wife or your husband is not just another person. It is the person God has planned for you before the foundations of this earth, and he's dreaming about something bigger than maybe just a marriage. What if? What if we are waiting for something greater? You know, there's a scripture in Psalm 40. It's beautiful in the Passion Translation. Verse 1 to 3. I'm going to read all three verses, so please stay with me. It says, I waited, and I waited, and I waited some more. Does that sound familiar to some of you? I know how this feels. I waited, and I waited, and I waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. This is not waiting. This is waiting upon the Lord. Big difference. Then at last, he bent down and listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. This can be any kind of muddy mess. It can be emotional muddy mess. It can be any kind of muddy mess. Now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place and steadied me while I walk along his ascending path. A new song for a new day rises up in me every time I think about how he breaks through for me. Now listen to this part. Ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will seize miracles and they will stand in awe of God and fall in love with him. What if we are waiting for something bigger than a healing, bigger than a financial breakthrough, bigger than a, than a job, because the moment God comes through for you, many will see his miracles, and they will stand in awe of God and fall in love with him. What if your story and your breakthrough is not about you only? It's about so many other people who's going who's gonna to turn to Jesus, who's going to have a revelation of who he is, because of your story, your breakthrough, your turnaround, what if we are waiting for something greater than what you're waiting for? What if? And I believe we are. I believe if we can have this changed perspective, it will release strength to run. It will release strength to endure because we will know that we're not only waiting for this thing we're waiting for, we're waiting for so much more. And it, it makes it worth it to wait another day Another week, another month, another year, if necessary, because there's so much more. The miracle is not in the moment. The miracle is in the journey. And I heard this from a, from a lady who was, was paralyzed for 22 years. Her car was hit by a drunk driver. She was paralyzed. And I want to show you her story. It's amazing. It's one of the most beautiful testimonies I've ever heard. So let's just play that one, and then I will continue. The miracle is not in the moment, it's in the journey. There's a whole lot that I don't recall specifically, but I know this, the car vehicle was upside down and they were trying to get me out, and there was music playing in my head. On a snowy Christmas day in 1987, Dahlia Knox was in a car with her sister and brother-in-law when they were hit by a drunk driver. I was semi-conscious, then I went unconscious. And so then I woke up in the hospital. Although the others escaped with minor injuries, the crash left Dahlia paralyzed from the waist down. Doctors told her she would likely be confined to a wheelchair the rest of her life. 
And from there on, I had to, I mean, I went through, like, what do I do from here now? Where do I go from here? Delia was determined to live her life. An accomplished gospel singer, she continued her work in music ministry, but her life was hard. I would continue to go and sing, and I would push myself, you know, into the restroom or the shower, whatever, and then I would drag myself into the car, and I would push myself. It was one of those things where you had to drag yourself, you had to push yourself. Delia believed God would heal her as people prayed constantly for her. But after a decade passed with no changes, she started to lose hope. I didn't like going to altar calls because every time I would go somewhere, the service would change to a healing service and somebody would try to pull me out of the chair and I've been plopped, dropped, flopped and flipped and, you know, to the point where I was like, I just can't go through that anymore. While attending a Christian conference, she was captivated by one of the speakers, Bishop Levy Knox. It was so amazing because he didn't see the wheelchair, he saw beyond the wheelchair. He later became her husband and a major source of inspiration for Dahlia. I remember him taking me in front of the mirror at home um, and holding me up and, and just say, I want you to see yourself standing. He would take me and dance with me and just, you know, as my legs would dangle, he would take me around. And he was one that always continuously tried to put hope and faith in me as to think beyond that, even though at times I was frustrated about it. By 2010, Dahlia had been in a wheelchair for over 22 years. In August, she and her husband attended a conference hosted by evangelist Nathan Morris. The evangelist went up and he started speaking on healing and all that. Had I known it was a healing service, I have to be honest, I would have never gone. She was at the front of the church with her husband when Pastor Morris started praying for her. Here I am confined for 22 and a half years in this wheelchair. And for the first time in the longest time, I find myself that something could possibly really be happening. I said, I'm feeling something in my legs. The power of God is all over this sister right now. She normally has no feelings, but she, she can feel our hands, hands on her legs. And she's had no I had to get to the heart of it. And the heart of it was, are you willing to risk your pride and take a step of faith, even if you fall? With the assistance of her husband, Elias slowly rose. She later stumbled and sat back down, fighting to block out the doubts flooding her mind. I remember the words that he prayed were, let faith arise in this woman of God. In Hebrews 11, faith is in the present and the now, it's standing between two present terms. Now, faith is. And I sat there and a righteous indignation came in me. A righteous anger came in me. I just said to them, I just said, just worship, just worship, just worship, because I wanted to drown everything that was going out, out, out. I just, just worship, just right, worship, worship, worship. Then her husband and Pastor Morris helped her back on her feet. She took a few steps on her own. Then, as the congregation sang and prayed, Dahlia started walking around the church. Paraplegic will tell you that you can move on your hips. And so I thought, was I moving on my hips? I just started moving my knees up and down, and I started bouncing on my knees. It was like the awakening 
this is really happening. She began to take those steps and began to walk. It was like the word, the word that had already been spoken, uh, beholding the word, uh, hearing the word, and now the manifestation of the promises of God was being fulfilled right before our eyes. It was phenomenal. It was, it was life-changing for us. Over the following weeks, she says God began to strengthen her legs. Three weeks later, she walked in front of her own congregation for the first time. Today, Dahlia leads worship at Living Word Christian Church in Mobile, where her husband is the pastor. She also dances with him every chance she gets. The miracle is the journey, is not the moment. It's the journey of recognizing who God is. If he would have never healed me, I would still be pushing through to get into his face. Because it's not about the healing, it's about the journey of knowing that God is there for us. Amen. I cry every time I hear this story. This is incredible. You know, I, if I look at this, I can't be hopeless. I can't feel sorry for myself. This woman, and how amazing is it that God provided this man in her life? She, she trusted God for 10 years for healing, and then she couldn't do it anymore. And he, he, he provided this man who looked right through a wheelchair, and, and he fell in love with her, and he started believing on her behalf. How beautiful is that? You know, there's, there's two things we can do, or two beautiful things that can happen when we wait upon the Lord. We can discover the joy of loving the promise giver more than the promise itself. And this is huge. If we can just get this right, we will have strength. God will release strength. We can also develop a greater compassion for those with long-lasting similar conditions, because, you know, it's, it's very hard to relate to somebody in a wheelchair. I can't. I, I have no idea what it feels to drag myself from the shower to the bathroom. I have no idea. I have ideas about other things, like lying awake at night because I've battled with insomnia. I have tremendous compassion for anyone who's not sleeping. But if you've never battled with insomnia, you would... It's difficult to relate, but if you are, if you've been in a situation, you develop a compassion for people in those situations, and it changes you. You can never be the same again. So how do we wait well? Just a few practical things. Obviously, our perspective is key. What I shared now, it's not about how long you've battled. It's, it's in the kingdom of God, God is not intimidated by the length. The, the miracle is in the journey, not in the moment. There's so many things that, that, you know, the perspective change is key. What if we're waiting for something greater? But then practically, what do you do? How do you wait well? Something I've learned is do not compare. Do not compare. Your situation is different. Your situation is unique. Your story is different. There's been so many times in my life where I was jealous. I wanted something that somebody else had. And praise God, he didn't give it to me in that moment. <laughs> you know, I, I have so many, so many stories where, where God challenged me. The, the one was about four years ago, 
friends of ours in Cape Town. I heard that they were pregnant. And please, guys, if you ladies, if you fall pregnant, please don't be scared to tell me. You know, I've had people not wanting to tell me that they're pregnant because they're worried about my feelings. By God's grace, 99.9% of all the time, I rejoice with you. I can, I can think I can count on my one hand the times over the last nine years that it was difficult to me. This was one of those times. And we were on holiday, and I was wrestling with this. And I said, God, I need to, we need to talk. And we went for a walk. I said, God, I am battling. I'm battling with this news. I should rejoice, because they were also trying for a long time. So now I'm upset, and I should rejoice, and I feel horrible, you know, horrible Christian. And, you know, God asked me one question. You know, God asks you a question. It just pops into your mind. It's like a thought, but I knew it was God. He said, Sonica, do you want to swap? Do you want to swap with them? Do you want their lives? Do you want to be pregnant but have their lives? And it hit me between the eyes because I, I realized, no. Because God showed me what they are going through. He showed me their challenges. He showed me their lives. And I realized how blessed I was, how, how blessed I am. And if I, if I stay in that paradigm of comparing and always being the victim and everybody else is falling pregnant except me, I'm going to compare and I am going to lose my joy. I'm going to lose my strength. You know, Lisa Bavia says, Jo uh, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. <laughs> that is so true. If we compare, we're going to lose our joy, and our joy is our strength. We're going to lose our strength. Do not compare. Your, your story is unique. Your story is not like anybody else's. This is why you are maybe still waiting for that something, because your story is unique. I want to encourage you to make a list. <clears throat> of things you can do in this season of waiting that you would not be able to do anymore when your season of waiting comes to an end. Make a list. Make a list. Be deliberate. Be intentional. And make a list. You know, if you're single, you can go to bed whenever you want. And maybe you don't think about it that way. But you can eat what you want. You can eat what you want when you want. You can go to bed when you want. You can spend your money the way you want. I remember not spending a lot of money on food when I was single. It was like very low on my, on my list of priorities. I would not actually eat. I don't know what I've eaten. But then I got married, and I was completely shocked to see how much money we're now going to spend on food. For me, it was like a total waste of money. And I, I would spend my money on things I can see, I can feel, I can touch, and it's going to last. Food for me was just going to you know, disappear. <laughs> and I had to adjust. I'm very much adjusted now. I mean, I made a peace with it after 18 years. But <laughs> when, when I was single, I spent my money in the way I wanted to spend my money. I traveled or I would, you know, I would do my holidays. I don't know for the married people, but sometimes holidays can be interesting when you are married. The one wants to do this, the one wants to do that. The one's organized, the one's not organized. You can actually spend your holiday the way you want. And I'm not saying marriage isn't special. Marriage is awesome. It's something you can look forward to. However, it's different. There will be things you can't do anymore when you are married, male or female. So make a list. If this is your waiting season, make a list of things you can still do. 
until that day. And then obviously you, <laughs> you shift in a, different <laughs> in a different mindset and you rejoice again in that season. But these seasons, our lives are full of seasons. Single, married, without children, with children. They will, there's, or, you know, studying, not studying. Embrace your season, you know. Uh, when, when you're waiting for a child like I am, you can actually sleep through the night. Okay, all the moms in the house, you know, you don't sleep through the night. And the world is, is just happening faster and faster and you haven't slept. And nobody even think about it, but you haven't slept. You know, you, you have more money when you, when you are waiting for children. You are more flexible. You know, Andre and I are going to go to Franschuk this coming weekend. We're going to have a ministry weekend there. We're going to fly on Friday. We're going to come back on Monday. And my son's now 10. He's staying with friends. And I am flexible. I would not have been able to do that with a small baby. And I must remind myself, it's a privilege to travel with Andre. It's a privilege to do that. If, if I stay in that waiting and not waiting upon the Lord mindset, I'm going to feel depressed. I'm going to feel sorry for myself. And I'm going to not see all the good that this season brings. So we need to make a list. We must make a list. You know, you have more time. You have more time when you have either older children or still waiting for a child. You know, if you are waiting upon the Lord for healing, things you can do now that you can't do when you are healed is you can praise God from a position of vulnerability. You can praise Him from a position of weakness. You can praise Him from a position of sickness. Because He's good and He's faithful, you can learn to praise Him in a storm. You can't do that when that season change. You know, you have the opportunity to encounter God as your healer. You will never have the opportunity to encounter God as your healer if you are not sick. But now you have the opportunity to discover this part of God's character that you will never know unless you are trusting Him for healing. As I said, you will, you will develop a greater compassion, a greater understanding for people battling with the same kind of illness that would, would have never been an opportunity if you haven't been in that situation. There's things you can do now that you would not be able to do anymore when your season changes. Make a list. Trust the Lord to open your eyes for these things and hold it before you you know, it's, it's just interesting how we often, we, we trust God for something and then He gives us what we want and then we feel sorry for ourselves because now we're not sleeping. Now we need to get up for our child. But I mean, we've been praying for this child for how long? But now poor me, I must get up for my baby. But isn't this what you wanted? You know, so make a list and embrace your season. It is so powerful. I need to remind myself of this all the time, all the time. We need to trust God in the mystery. Another well-known scripture, Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's a mystery when it comes to healing. There's a mystery when it comes to waiting and God's promises and answers and there is a mystery, and the only way we can deal with this mystery is if we fully trust and surrender to a God who is faithful, who is just, 
who is for us and not against us. I don't know how many of you are aware of it, but Bill Johnson's uh, eldest son, Eric Johnson, he, uh, he has only, he's deaf 85 to 90% in both ears. And how many of you are aware of that? 85 to 90% deaf in both ears. And the interesting thing is, the healing of deafness is one of the most common miracles that they see in their meetings. Wherever they go in their church, this is one of the most common ones they see. However, Bill Johnson's son, Eric Johnson, can't hear without a hearing aid. How's that for trusting God in the mystery? <laughs> they are seeing incredible miracles. There are movements that is, that is inspiring the whole world that is encouraging so many people to trust God for more. And Bill, Bill Johnson's own son is 85 to 90% deaf. And I can just imagine how many times they prayed for him. You know, they decided that they are going to trust God in the mystery, that God is faithful, that he's good, that that will never change. And this is their this, this is the way they cope with the situation. You know, listen to this quote by Bill Johnson. It says, If I understand all that is going on in my Christian life, I have an inferior Christian life. The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received in the midst of the mysteries we can't explain. I'm going to read this again. If I understand all that is going on in my Christian life, if you are understanding everything that is going on in your Christian life, then you have an inferior Christian life because then we limit God to our understanding. We limit Him to our revelation. We limit God. The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received in the midst of the mysteries we can't explain. Now, maybe some of you have heard that we were talking about my something I'm also waiting for, I've been battling with my back and, and pain in my back and my hips since Vian was born. So it's 10 years now. Now, surprise, surprise, one of the most common miracles we see all the time in this church and where Andre travels is the healing of backs. It is just incredible. I mean, we have had a few huge miracles over the last month in terms of backs. Years and years of pain. And... Andre has prayed for me so many times. I think I'm keeping him humble or something. <laughs> I must, this, this stubborn back of mine is surely keeping him humble. I've prayed for people who are healed of, of a long season of back pain. I can't explain it. We can't explain it. And the only way I can deal with this is to trust God in the mystery. Because to get offended is not going to heal my back. And to be angry and bitter and, and, and cynical, that's not going to change anything. The only way I can deal with this is to trust God in the mystery. And to look at my skin that I battled with for 26 years, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes we, we are healed of something and then it, it kind of comes back. I don't know how many of you have experienced that. And then we battle with all kinds of emotions now with my skin there's a few stubborn spots every now and again come, coming and going. I have a few spots on my elbows now. But over the last, since 2012, I think the biggest portion of my skin that was affected was basically 1% of my skin surface. This is what a, 
what a, a doctor told me once how to measure it because you take the palm of your hand, the palm of your hand is 1%, apparently. So God did a sovereign miracle for me. You know, I've stood in front of my cupboard for years, not knowing what to wear because I'm trying to cover myself as best as I could. I haven't done that in years. You know, uh, Andre's always put things on my head because it was on my scalp. It was forever things on my head. And, you know, those things aren't part of my life anymore. And I need to remind myself of what God has done for me. I can't look at things that he hasn't done. I must look at what he has done for me. And I must trust him in the mystery. It's my only hope to receive strength. So I want to encourage you this morning. God is for you, not against you. You know, you are not just waiting. You are waiting upon the Lord who loves you, who cares for you, who is the almighty God who designed you, who has a future for you, who, who is not intimidated by sickness or darkness or anything that, that we are intimidated with. God is powerful and he loves you. So I want to read us one more scripture, and then I really want us to pray this morning for one another. And I, I don't mind if you are battling for 50 years. I don't mind if you are in the deepest pit of depression about your situation. I want us to, like this woman said, if that was a healing service, she would not have gone. What if she didn't go? What if she didn't go? You know, and, and she said she had to risk her pride. Sometimes we need to risk our pride. And sometimes we just need to, to believe once again. And even if it still doesn't happen, to believe once again. Because what if? What if it's your morning today? What if it's your day today to shift something in your life? Amen. We're not only trusting God for physical healing. We are a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and, and body. God is into healing every part of our being. So our focus as a church is not only physical healing, it is wholeness, freedom, peace, joy, understanding of who you are, fulfilling your purpose, fulfilling your calling, finding the reason why you are alive, and becoming a minister of the gospel in receiving from God and then transferring that to others. Amen? Let's read this one last scripture. Psalm 27, verse 13, it says, I would have lost hearts unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If you are disappointed in God this morning, that's the first thing we need to pray for you. That's the first thing you need to acknowledge. If that is the root of, of your depression, if this is the root of you not having strength to endure, if this is the root of, of you feeling hopeless, then we need to ask the Lord to give you his perspective, that he's never left you, that he hasn't forsaken you, that he was there, that he is there, and that he will be there for the rest of your life. So, even though it's, you know, it's not theologically correct to forgive God because he hasn't, you know, God doesn't need to be forgiven. But sometimes it helps us to, to think, I'm forgiving God for not coming through for me. I, I position my heart in a place where I realize 
God hasn't done anything wrong. And I want to encourage you, even if you need to, in your heart, forgive God, even though, as I say, it's not God doesn't need to be forgiven, but it helps us. It helps us to come to that point where we, our, our heart is restored. And when we say, Lord, I've been so disappointed. I've trusted you. I've stepped out. I've done everything that I thought is right and good. And I haven't made progress. I'm still where I was. And I am not going to respond again to any other altar call in my whole life. You know, like that woman. If you are there, I want to beg you this morning to take a step again. I want to beg you to put your pride aside and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you again. And I'll trust you again. And I'll trust you again. It's your only hope. It's your only source. If you are offended with God, you are strangling yourself. You are destroying your only source of hope. And you need to get back into that place where you are vulnerable, where you risk it, where your heart is soft, and you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.